0: Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the feed hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market.
1: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I am your host, Josh Raley. I hope that you have been uh, getting out here recently, enjoying some of this fantastic weather. I have been out chasing trout. I have been out chasing longbeards. And, uh, man, I have just had a heck of a spring so far. I got absolutely Whipped? Whipped? whipped last night by by a tom that i made a big play on Uh, i'm not going to share the story just yet because i'm pretty positive actually more than positive i know exactly where the bird is roosted he roosted 30 yards from me last night and uh couldn't take him couldn't take him so but i'm going to share that story in another future episode uh for this week's show i've got my buddy pierce on again as many of you know if you've been listening and keeping up with us um we went out for the driftless triple crown a couple of uh days ago here and our plan was we were going to get out on this uh piece of private that he's got permission on. It's a fantastic fantastic hunting property. We talk a bit about it in the in the episode and um our plan was to kind of get out, look for morels, hopefully find morels while we're turkey hunting, uh you know, kill some turkeys and catch some trout in the afternoon and the day ended up being a slog, man. We put the miles on we worked super super hard to get a bird uh spoiler alert we did not get a bird we got on a couple birds uh we did not find any morels didn't even see a hint of a morel uh we caught a ton of fish in the amount of time that we had to fish um we were i mean we were just on them so i had a fantastic fantastic day though great time in the woods with pierce Uh, just one of those guys man you know you get out there and you just you just work, It just works together. You know, you don't have to, like, force it. You don't have to work too hard as far as, you know, fighting or arguing or going back and forth as to what we should do, what we shouldn't do, how we should move, where we should move, how we should call, when we should call, uh, just seamless. So I had a wonderful time with him. If uh, you are interested in picking up trout fishing or if you're a trout fisherman already and you want to get better at uh, fly casting or reading water or whatever it is, I highly, highly, highly recommend you reach out to Pierce. Good chance fly fishing. Um, he, just a great dude, great guide. I am a a novice trout fisherman. I would call myself, and you know, I've done it a handful of times. I do it a couple of times a year. I try to go, you know, four, five, six times a year, and um, not great by any means. It's limited to a spring, early summer activity for me. I just don't enjoy it that much. Uh, later on in the summer, and then in the fall, you know, I'm always busy deer hunting. In the winter, I try to bank all that time with my kids and with my family. So. Not doing a ton of it then. So it's great to have an experienced guy right there alongside you. Pierce knows the water. Pierce knows the fish. Pierce knows the areas and the access points. And um, yeah, he just did a great job. Uh, He did a good job getting me on some birds too. We just uh, couldn't quite seal the deal. We're going to share that story with you in this episode. And as we're kind of getting going here, I do want to take just a minute and say big thanks to our partners over at Tacticam. Uh, Pierce and I both had Tacticam cameras on us as we were, uh, were out Turkey hunting, uh, took one with me, trout fishing as well. And, uh, man, it was just fantastic. These things are weatherproof. So when it started raining, I had to take the big camera back to the car and, uh, didn't have to worry about the tactic cams though. And I had confidence that I was going to get great footage. Uh, despite the fact that I wouldn't have my big camera with me on the tripod, I knew that all I had to have was that little barrel cam on there. It was going to get a super wide angle. So it was going to catch all the action. And uh, yeah, so uh, I highly, highly recommend Tacticam. They are fantastic cameras. The mounts that we used were excellent. They were stable on our guns. They didn't get all twisted up and weird. And uh, man, I used a little, the bendy clip, I think they call it. I've used some other accessories for other cameras that I've used in the past. And one of the things that's always bothered me is they always make a ton of noise. Like anytime you get one of the little bendy arms, they click and they creak and they make all kinds of noise. Tacticam's got this thing. It's a bendy clip. And it is dead silent. It's got a really strong clamp on there. So whatever you clamp it to, you can have confidence that it's going to hold. But then when you go to move it around, you don't have to worry about it clicking and cracking and creaking and all that stuff. It's just, it's silent. And so super smooth, lets you get a a really nice angle. Actually, at one point, I'd kind of set it up where it would get an over-the-shoulder shot. And uh, yeah, just really, really cool. So if you haven't checked them out already, go over to www.tacticam.com. Check out their full line of cameras and their full line of accessories. You will not be disappointed. I'm super, super impressed with their equipment so far. So big thanks to Tacticam for helping me keep this podcast going. Now let's get into the conversation with Pierce as we talk about our pursuit of the Driftless Triple Crown. Joining me once again on the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is my buddy Pierce Nels. What's going on Pierce?
2: Not much, man. Unfortunately, birdless, but we're doing well. Hey
1: man, you did not bury the lead at all. Uh, with that one, dude. All right, that's it. That's the end of the show, guys. We didn't get a bird. This
2: has been fun. Yep, third time's the charm. It's been nice, everyone. I appreciate the support. Uh, Yeah, never coming back
1: on. That's it. We're done. (laughs) Oh, well, Pierce. That's my bad.
2: I shouldn't have have spoiled it that quickly.
1: No, it's all good, man. We were going to get right into it. Uh, So we went out in pursuit of the Driftless Triple Crown, and nobody else calls it that. I just wanted to call it that just for fun. Just for kicks, you know, have a good time with it. And we were going to go out and look for, we were going to turkey hunt, right? Look for Mm -hmm. morels and catch some trout. And it was going to be like the best day of springtime driftless action that we could ever imagine. Absolutely. And we did not kill a turkey. We, We did not kill a turkey. We, how did we do on morels? Um, I didn't see one. Nope. Me neither. I don't know uh, about you. Nope. But... Nope. <laughs> nope. Not a hint of one. It was something you didn't tell me while we were out there. But... <laughs> no, no. The only, the only, you know what? I might have to go back out there though, because, uh, I am missing the lens off the end of my camera now. And yeah, that's right. That makes me sad, dude. It's out there on that hillside somewhere. <laughs> if we could ever figure it's out. Surrounded by a big patch of morels. Oh, probably so. <laughs> probably so. Uh, And then how did we do on the trout? We did pretty well
2: on the trout. We had a good couple hours out there.
1: Dude, for the... Ended
2: ended on a high
1: note, man. For the amount of time that we fished, I felt like we did very, very well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got in there and got after it. Like, I feel like there was no, like, there was no messing around. Now, the the first little run that we tried to fish did not go so well.
2: No, no. We were dealing with bad light, bad... Just approach, bat everything. We are making sure everyone's gear was working properly, but
1: well, okay. after let, that, man,
2: we, we locked it in.
1: Dude, you can be honest. By making sure everyone's gear is working properly, what Pierce really means is that he was making <laughs> sure that I could remember how to cast worth a crap, and making sure that I knew how to work a fly rod, which I don't, uh, and so it was instruction. I wouldn't
2: go that far, man. Your casting was fine.
1: Well... It was you not were laying them out there. Yeah. I mean, we caught fish. So, that, that, yeah. I'll, just, I'll take it. You know, casting to me is a tool, man. We caught fish and we're good to go. So, but I think the snake
2: at that first hole was probably just bad juju.
1: Dude, there we were know. two of them. Yeah. There were, right. So, when I stepped down into the grass, one took off down into the water. And then when I went to step onto the next rock, there was another one that was just like mm-hmm. chilling. So, I don't know, man. I don't know, do, do trout typically avoid <clears throat> avoid snakes?
2: I'll be honest, I have no idea, man.
1: Dude, pay attention to that I when you're seen, out. Do you see a lot of I'm snakes while you're to. out?
2: Not that often. Probably like, I don't know, maybe one every month or so, month and a half.
1: Okay, so not like if a I'm time. really looking. Okay, all right. But those ones are pretty obvious.
2: I'm sure I either step over, step near, or, uh, you know, have one. You know, come to think of it, I've seen a lot of snakes this year. Now that I am actually racking my
1: brain on it. We saw three total.
2: Yeah, yeah. The
1: day on, on, was that Thursday?
2: Yes, yep, it was Thursday.
1: Yeah, so we saw three total that day, which is. Yeah,
2: one in the field, two in the stream.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I want to kick things off because Pierce, I, you, we set this all up and we took full advantage of a property that I have no business on. Like, I don't know the guy who owns it. The only way I'm there is because of you and we get out there and I I don't really know what to expect, but dude, Mm -hmm. this place is an absolute like treasure.
2: It really is, man. It's a hidden gem. You know, our, uh, our buddy is he's, I mean, he he told us he's been out there since he was 23 and he's coming up on 63 now, I think. I mean, he's, he's seen it all, done it all out there and just takes a great deal deal of pride and in the property that he's got. And, you know, it's, uh, it's an 80 acre parcel, but like you and I were talking about after we'd went up and down and up and down and up and down all these hills, it haunts big.
1: Dude, it, I it would,
2: really haunts big.
1: I would not have batted an eye had you told me that it was 150 acres. Oh yeah. Like I'd have been like, oh, yep, that feels about right. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's 150 acre. Or it's 80 acres of like well manicured property.
2: Oh, it's pristine. Like there's not a,
1: there's not a piece of that place that he hasn't touched.
2: No, no. Whether it be, you know, the few remaining, uh, two by four self-built deer stands that are
0: (laughs) banging off the
2: trees (laughs) on various parts of the property. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, like he was, he was talking about, he does quite a bit of burning when he can, um, a lot of it's in CRP, and then he's got got a couple of big gardens, and the rest of it's just been landscaped, and a lot of a lot of leftover landscape features from when it was uh, a working farm um, back in its you know back in its day. I think back in the '80s and '90s, and now, they run, maybe even early 2000s
1: or so. But did they run cattle on much, it?
2: I don't think they ever ran cattle on it. Okay, I think okay. it shows. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, that's why I was wondering. It, it shows <laughs> yeah. that it was not a cattle farm. Um, the horses. That was it. Horses. Okay, okay. The I I was most impressed and surprised by that first area where we set up, where it was mm-hmm. literally like native oak savanna on yeah. this hillside. It oh was yeah, just man. These big, the
2: whole west side of that property is oak savanna. It was it like is
1: gorgeous. Or I think those were bur oaks.
2: Yeah, he's got a handful of different ones. It was. I think it was Bur Oaks where we set up originally and then off of that point there were uh White Oaks, if I remember right.
1: Yeah, and I mean just perfect. Yeah. Absolutely oh, perfect turkey habitat. Uh all around lots of small openings and clearings and then patches of thick woods and you know some denser understory and then another mm-hmm. little opening and it was just it was fantastic. So for those who are listening Lay out the property for us. It's not a square.
2: It's not a square. It's kind of a... It's kind of like a C-shape almost. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like it when you're on it, but it's got one One bit to the north that kind of juts up and over uh, to the east, and then it comes down in a real straight... Um, uh, how wide would you say that is? Probably... I mean, I don't know. Wide enough. I could map it. But it's, yeah, wide enough. I mean, <laughs> wide enough to feel like 150 acres. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then it comes down straight uh, in between two, two ag fields on either side. The entire property is surrounded by ag. Um,
1: Which makes it and then, sweet. that's
2: I mean, that's
1: that? That's a, that's a, and that makes it sweet in itself. Like, that it does. And he's got tons of cover. Like, with Mm -hmm. all the little dips and ravines and ditches and the way he's managed it. He's just got a ton of cover and surrounded by ag. Like, he lives in a deer bedding area.
2: Yep, yep, exactly. That he does. And, I mean, just the elevation changes and everything, too. I mean, the pinch points, the, like you said, the bedding, the food sources, the, I mean, the only thing he's missing on that property, I think, would be, like, apple trees for September and, you know, early October, that's the only thing I could think of that would make that property maybe just a little bit better for like deer and turkey. But other than, I mean, he's got the huge garden, so I know the deer take advantage of that thing and raid that when they can. But, but yeah, and then it comes, you know, North to South, it's probably four or 500 yards wide. Um, with a big ravine kind of going down the left or I guess the west third um, of it. And then it has through that ravine, um, there's a a spring head that feeds down. It's about six inches wide, come up by the shed. And then it works its way down to actually feed into um, a branch of a class one trout stream. And then he owns the whole bottom of that all the way out to the road, uh, with the exception of a little bit that kind of juts in where, his neighbor's own property, but then it goes all the way down through the highway and it's kind of just meadows and CRP down the bottom. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it is gorgeous, man. Flats up on top. It's got that little ditch. It's got some pines on the, I guess the Southeast corner peppered with golf balls as well. But
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we found a ton of golf balls uh, walking along. He didn't strike me. We'll we'll call him Jim, Uh, not his real name. I don't don't need folks out there asking for permission on this little slice of heaven. Um, He doesn't strike me as a golf ball, as a golf player.
2: No, I don't think I don't think Jim's much of a golfer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
2: So all right, he's got he's got too many animals running around to screw around at that
1: right. Right? Well, alright, so there are several parts that I want to get to, and our interactions with Jim uh, is part of it, right? Like, I want to get to that. Yes. Um, but first, we got out there super early. I left my house at 3 a.m. I got up at 2.40, mm-hmm. 2.30, uh, left my house at 3, you texted me at like 3.06 or something like that, super early, and we're like, hey, let me know an ETA or something like that, and... Man, I was fired up. I mean, I'm jacked up. So, uh, barreling your way and the the day gets off to a really great start. I spill my coffee literally down into this phone charger thing that I have in my car. It's like a, it's like a multi-port, but you can actually plug actual like wall outlet or plug wall plugs into Mm -hmm. it rather than sticking things into your cigarette lighter. But when I spilled my coffee down into that, my dashboard went dark. So I don't know what I did. Um, but my radio still doesn't work. So I fried something inside really? my vehicle.
2: I meant to ask about
1: that. that. Yeah, it's still not working. So, hey. I, yeah, uh, I don't know what to do, but that's all right. The car's old, the car's cheap. Um, but anyway, so we got out there super early, and our plan was to kind of um, play it as aggressive as we could to where the birds typically roosted mm-hmm. without taking a significant chance that we were going to bust them. Right. Is that right? And you had tried to roost in the night before and you heard nothing, nothing, nothing.
2: I heard, I heard birds off the property over the ridge to the west. Um, but nothing, nothing on the property, like what we normally hear. Yeah. Um, and I got out there at like eight 20. So I was a little bit, a little bit late because I'd coming in from another hunt, um, earlier that evening. And then I was going to shoot over to Jim's property and see if I could roost some for us, but man, they were just tight lipped.
1: Yeah, super quiet. I so, heard
2: wings, but no, no goblin, no, uh, no hens. Yeah, yelping or anything like that.
1: So we got there. We crossed this valley in the pitch black dark. Had a little bit of moon uh, and a lot of fog, like dense, yep. dense fog to walk through. Like the air was just wet. Yeah, at one yeah. point, like my friction calls would not function <laughs> and they hadn't gotten
2: not even close. <laughs> they hadn't
1: No, they hadn't even gotten wet from anything. Like they hadn't got water on them. The air was just so moist and damp that I just couldn't get hardly yeah, any like he sound. You took it them. out and like, didn't even floss with that outside of, you know, sc- scuffing
2: it up a little bit. But I mean, it, it hadn't been out of your pocket for more than, Five ten seconds by the time you went to touch the your striker to it and just got nothing.
1: Yeah, and dude, that striker it was super super wet. Yeah, that striker felt like a plump sausage. Like you could <laughs> you know how you can feel like wet wood that's just full of water. That's how it yeah. felt. It, it literally felt like it was full of water. So uh, we cut through this valley though in the pitch black dark, lots of fog for cover. We got in there mm-hmm. kind of quiet. I don't think we made a yeah. ton of noise getting in there. No, nope. and. Um, the grass got winded by a doe that would not leave several us times
2: that would not leave.
1: She kept coming back. So <clears throat> you said you, she probably has a fawn over there. Yeah. She probably had a fawn yeah. over there. Cause I mean, she just kept mm-hmm. coming back and she'd blow again and then she'd come back and she'd blow and run off again. And, uh, you know, eventually it's just like, dude, if you don't like us, just leave. <laughs> like if you don't want to be around, that's okay. Just go somewhere else. Take your phone with right. you. But so we get set up. We put the decoys out and we ran into a little snafu with the decoys. Once we sat down. Just a little. We, we couldn't see them. Yeah. At all. Grass was a little high. So it, was- it was a
2: little <laughs> bit of a knoll that was just kind of in between us. We were, we set them up downhill from us anyways, um, hoping that we'd be able to, maybe see if well one that they'd be open um, to be seen by, by Tom's if they were roosted within a hundred yards of us on the same side of this ravine that we were on, which is where or they should have been. Some,
1: yeah. Right. Like yep, they should have been, been within a hundred yards of us of our first setup. So they should have been able mm-hmm. to look down, hopefully see the decoys and feel really confident.
2: Right. Right. So we, we, we went in feeling confident. We set up and we were like, well, crap man like we can't <laughs> can't even see the head of the decoy over there so I don't really I know I think where you know where they're at And if there's a bird like you know I guess we'll either have to sit up or hopefully he comes down you know and we can get him on his way to the to the spread but uh, no I mean I already spoiled it or uh, already spoiled it you know that didn't happen <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I mean, so we did hear some gobbles. I mean, we, we got set up. Yep. Yep. We did some calling. We had, I mean, we had a fair number of birds around us that we could hear that were off the property. Um, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I had pretty good reason to think, like, they should move through there, even if they're not roosting mm-hmm. on the property. I mean, we're literally in the middle of several birds that are gobbling. Um, right. We ended up hearing that first hen, and I heard some wings as she came down. We heard her. Did we hear her cluck a little bit?
2: A little bit, yeah. Close. She kind of we, we sort of went back and forth with her just a smidge.
1: Yeah,
2: that's um, right. Right at the start, but never got eyes on her, never really figured out where she went.
1: Um, yeah, she just disappeared.
2: Yeah. So we were hoping that maybe there was another, either a Jake or a Tom with her, because there had been, again, on that side, there had been every single morning uh, that I'd been out there, you know, previously this spring. Um, the other spot that we had sort of debated whether or not we should get aggressive and set up on, on this side of the ravine that we ended up setting up on and getting in close to him, or we could play it safe and go set up on this point um, that was across the ravine. There ended up being a Tom on that point um, (laughs) that we, (laughs) we maybe, maybe would have had a crack at, but he flew down, he gobbled a few times and then, uh, we got some responses out of him after that hen disappeared. And then, you know, we shut up for quite a while. It's probably what? 25 minutes, half hour.
1: Yeah. Probably. Um, we sat there for, for, for a good amount of time. I didn't feel like we long, rushed it at yeah. all.
2: No, no. And then, uh, finally we were like, all right, let's, let's check them. We'll see what's going on. Um, and, uh, yelped at him a couple of times and he was right across the valley from us. Like one loud, crisp, close, fired up gobble. <laughs> and we were jacked up. We were like, we're going to see him come down that opposite side. He's going to work his way through the fog and he's just going to emerge and like come up the hill right into our spread and all that. I'm oh just yeah. Gonna pop him in the face. That was the only bit that we heard of him. We didn't get anything more from him. (laughs) I was
1: already planning the footage in my mind. I was like, this is going to be so (laughs) sick. We've got this fog lifting. The sun is starting to shine a little bit. Like He's going to come straight down that hill. We're going to see him. He's not going to have a clue because we're going to be so well hidden from his perspective. Mm -hmm. And dude, he just kept on keeping on. Like, Did we hear him again?
2: No. No, we got that one gobble out of him. He said... He sounded like he was almost right next to our cars where we'd parked. Yeah. So that too, we were like, you know, kicking ourselves for that. This is just insulting. (laughs) Now they're joking about, he's probably, he's probably standing on top of our cars, scratching our hoods or leaving spur punches in the, in our tires and everything. (laughs) Totally, totally
1: vandalizing our vehicles while we're over on the opposite ridge trying to call him. And so, all right, we, we ended up, <clears throat> sitting there for a bit, decided to make a move. We heard some birds behind us in an ag field. Uh, how far mm-hmm. out do you think those birds were? 300. 300 yards. So they were be, they were fairways mine, out there. And they were yeah. they were answering you. But
2: Yeah, it seemed.
1: They didn't, didn't seem, seem like, like they were. Yeah, but it didn't but seem like they were moving. No. So we decided, uh, okay, we're going to get down. We're going to go loop around. We're going to go to that knob right where, where you had been before where you've had some success in the past mm-hmm. kind of where we had debated going to, um, and get on the same Ridge as that Tom without busting him. Cause if we'd have gone straight across the Valley, there's a good chance we'd have busted him. Cause we thought maybe he's roosting over there on that kind of garden area. I guess you'd call it or what, yeah. what is it like flat? Big
2: flat? Yeah. you want to call it <laughs> flat spot,
1: whatever that thing was. Uh, so we figured he might be there and if we got on the same side as him, then maybe he'd, you know, kind of be more responsive, but,
2: Sure. So and, uh, Jim earlier, you know, the, I, I had been out there the week prior during the earlier season, and Jim had been like, you know, I've seen every single day there's a hen and three toms, and she'll drag them down from over basically where you and I have been sitting. She'll drag them down there through the bottom, and then they'll come up right where we heard them, where you and I heard him gobble, and then they'll work their way off towards that point, and then they'll go down by the gate, and then after that, that's... That's the last I've seen of him. And every time I'd been out there, I'd I'd seen him in that area as well, whether or not I I bumped him or uh, you know I'm <laughs> not proud to admit. But <laughs>
1: do you think that he? But given the, because he wasn't roosted super close to where we were, but but like given no. given when we first struck him up, and the way that that hen flew down, we were pretty certain of the of her sort of general direction. Do you think that he caught up with her and boogied out of there?
2: I don't think so, man. I think those hens typically have been, they've been dropping down um, kind of on our side of that ridge. And they usually climb up and then they'll go up into that egg field to the West. Okay. Um, Okay. So I, but I mean, they either do that or they go down to the bottom and they'll come up that point like where you and I then move to and set up. Um, and then that was, I mean, that, that whole point is just full of hands as we, as we found out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we, we work our way over to this point. Um, you walk me up a like literal, like driftless area. Sure enough cliff. It's not, it's not an actual cliff. Okay. So it's not that bad. I I live in the flatland right over here in zone two. (laughs) And it was, it was kind of steep. And it was kind of thick.
2: Oh, it's very steep. I was trying to, you know, Jim had been logging some trees and stuff. And, you know, there were a couple of spots where all the brush had been knocked down. And, I mean, you had, you were carrying what? Your strutter decoy. The, you had your, no, I had your strutter. You had your Jake and Hen decoys.
1: Yep. Strapped camera to the back of your pack yep. plus
2: your camera plus your gun
1: <laughs> yep and the tripod with the camera so like the full yep. thing and we do finally get up there you've got a couple inches on me height wise and uh so you got a little better stride than i do um I so my my little legs are just churning trying to get up this hill we get up there and there's there's turkey sign everywhere there's scratching all over the yep. place you know so I'm, I'm thinking okay this is it we jump a hen off, I don't know if she was on a nest or not. We never went over to check it out. No. But.
2: No, she was halfway up that point, though, so it made me think that maybe she was just on her way up there anyways. Yeah, but. yeah.
1: that makes sense. So, all right, so we get, we get over to this point, or at least we get to the top of that hill, right, before we get to the point, and one of the birds that we had heard in the ag field all the way across to the west um, just gets fired up. Yeah. yeah <laughs> as soon closed. as soon as we get like, up there.
2: Basically he had gone exactly to the spot that we had been calling from.
1: Yeah. Do and, you do you think he crossed the property line? Like do you think that no, he you don't think no, he did? I think he
2: probably hung up okay. maybe maybe a hundred yards off just because then he could he could get into that opening looking down the hill towards that ravine towards the fence line. Um but I don't. I I don't know, man. We would have been hard pressed to get him to come. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't know. We got two of us though. We could have done. We could have done what I did in season B, and you know, one of us slowly creeps down the hill, make it sound like we're walking away, and maybe draw him in that way. But yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. Is like we there were gaps in that fence that we knew, was like very evident. Like okay, this gap is where the you know. Birds, deer, coyotes, like you name it, like wildlife is passing through this little bottleneck in the fence.
1: Super well Um, defined.
2: Yeah, unbelievably well defined. Yeah. (laughs) It's like super thick, brush choked wire fence. And then all of a sudden, here's an eight foot gap with nothing around it. (laughs) And it's beat down to the dirt through the middle.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so we got to the point, we decided not to tr- cross back again because we're like, hey, we've got confidence in this spot. This is where the birds end up mid-morning, right? Like, I think you had said something like, what was it, 8.30 or so on? Yeah. Or was it yeah. 10 or whatever the time was? You're like, hey. Between 8.30
2: and 10.30, yeah. Okay,
1: so mid-morning, this is where the birds should be showing up. We bust the one hen. We're thinking, eh, maybe that's a good sign. We get set up, and you call, and like – was that pretty immediate after getting there that Mm -hmm. we struck one right behind us? Yep. And how far, how far do you think he was?
2: Oh, I mean, probably 60. He was down to my right.
1: Yeah. He was close.
2: He was real close. He was halfway down that, down that South face of the, of the point from us. And he kind of surprised the heck out of both of us. Like he didn't gobble, but he gave a couple of real sharp, you know, loud just kind of like locating clucks. Like he didn't see anything or anything like that, but he was right down kind of in this little low spot of the, of the face and sounded close. Yeah. Sounded real close.
1: Sounded really, really close. And then he just went silent. Like no clue what happened to him. Um,
2: Dead silent.
1: And we sat there for a good while. And again, nothing. Did a little bit of calling, got busted by either one or two more hens. I couldn't decide because I, I I couldn't tell if you could see the one or if you or like if you could see the one that I could hear right to my left. Or
2: I could see that one when I like just out of the corner of my eyes, but I couldn't like turn my face far enough to actually get like, like depth perception on it. <laughs> and like focus <laughs> on what exactly. I could see the thing's head like darting around and moving but I couldn't actually make out like okay is that a handshake or tom I don't know regardless it's a turkey and it's sitting there kind of bobbing it's head around a little bit
1: yeah yeah. that was it Yeah. and whatever it was it saw us hurt us I don't know what happened it didn't like it so it, it boogied on out of there and is it it's from there that we decided it was time for a coffee reset yeah we needed,
2: yeah, we needed, we had, to, we had to change the tide.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we went back to the car and dude, when we get back, there's Jim. Yeah. Waiting. Split Not waiting wood, for splitting wood, right? <laughs> he's, he's working hard. We're trying to figure out all morning. What in the world is that noise going on over there? Like, is that his tractor? If that's his tractor, Jim may need a new tractor. Uh, cause it's <laughs> loud, like mega loud. Um, yep. but we get there and he's, and he's splitting wood and he stops to talk to us. And I mean, you told me already, like he's a salt of the earth kind of guy, but yeah. dude, what an amazing hour and a half plus conversation.
2: Oh yeah, We man. had with Jim. I mean, and, and we should, we should just p- clarify here. The spot that we were parked, we could see essentially down the entire ravine. So had, had a Tom fired off, somewhere on the property, we would have known about it. And we could have sprung into action. It oh, wasn't yeah. like we were just, just calling it quits. That wasn't it at all. No, we, we were kind of <laughs> letting the
1: property rest a bit. Cause we'd covered, I mean, we'd gone to one side called, hopped all the way over to kind of the other side called, oh, yeah, you man, know, we
2: covered ground. Yeah. We
1: covered a lot of ground. And so we were kind of letting it rest, letting the turkeys do what they're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. maybe hopefully I was hoping let them work their way maybe out of the field, as we got right. later in the day and kind of work their way back into the timber, try to get out of the mm-hmm. sun. Cause it was warm. Um, and so, and yeah, we were at a point where we could have heard pretty much anything around. Like if something would have struck right. up, started gobbling, we could see a ton. We could see the whole face of that one hillside. We could see down the mm-hmm. valley. Uh, so it was a, it was a really strategic spot to sit and, yeah. And, hang and on out top
2: of bit. it, we had looked at the radar as we were walking back for our coffee and it said we were going to get three quarters of an inch of rain in the next three hours. well, That didn't
1: happen, but (laughs) no, no, it didn't happen. But I was like, I was like, man, I need to drop this camera in my vehicle now. Like, (laughs) I do do not need to ruin this thing. Um, My big camera, not my tactic cams, because the tactic cams are all weatherproof and they're, they're fantastic. But uh, my Mm -hmm. big camera is not weatherproof at all. And I was not interested in ruining that. So we get back there and we talk to Jim and man, we cover like every topic under the sun. In just oh, a easily. short amount of time,
2: easily. Yeah, I think we got to start with. We started with walking over there. It had started raining. He, you know, it wasn't. I guess it wasn't quite raining. He was. Uh, he he wanted to hear what we'd found that morning. Yep. Um, any luck we'd had? What we'd been seeing, and <clears throat> when we walked up, I was I was holding Josh's strutter decoy which has wings that are from an actual bird and, you know, a fan and all that. So as we're walking up in the distance, he looks up and he starts getting excited because <laughs> he thinks we got a bird on the ground.
1: <laughs> we played him, man. We, we, we played totally Jim played. Hard. He got his hopes up, but <laughs>
2: uh. so we started talking to Jim for a little bit and he's asking about, you know, just what we've been seeing, t- telling us what he's been seeing just out on the farm and all that. And, uh, starts kind of diving into his history of Turkey hunting, which it it didn't sound like it was too, too long of a career. Um, But he put a couple of, couple of birds on the ground. One of which was of superb quality. What he's telling us hunting stories and about his first bird and his second bird. uh, He was telling us that he, you know, he went out there and, didn't see anything was on his way back up to the house. And at the time his folks had some sort of livestock, but there was corn that had been spilled back behind the barn and back in this pile of corn is, I mean, this I and mean, this is back in, I don't know what year he said, like seventies or eighties or something like that. I think eighties. Um, but he sees this bird and he's like, Oh, well I got to, I got to put the stock on it. And so he, he puts the shed between he and it, and then gets down below it and kind of belly crawls around. And there's a little bit of a dip in the dip in the land. And so he belly crawls up to that belly crawls up to that. And then he pops up and shoots the thing and rolls it <laughs> and then rolls the thing it gets up. It starts running so he racks another one, shoots it again, and uh, rolls it again, and then he gets up to it, and the thing's flopping. And he said, it "For a minute there, it looked like the thing was trying to trying to come at him and charge him a little <laughs> bit." <laughs> but nevertheless, thing you got the thing down, and then uh, went about butchering it and everything. And I guess the the bird that he'd shot prior was. Uh, his his older brother had been around, and his brother had been telling him um, he'd been reading in some sort of a I don't remember what it was some hunting publication at the time about how everybody's so focused on the beard, but what you really got to pay attention to is the spurs. That's what really separates the the boys from the men when it comes to turkeys and all that and all that. And so he told Jim (laughs) that um, you know oh yeah you got to look at the got to look at the spurs on it. And so Jim had butchered this bird. And then about three hours later, he thinks about it. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to go out and check on those spurs. I just remembered that, you know, just remembered that, that little pointer for my brother. And he goes out there and he looks at him and he's kind of thinking, you know, yeah, these are pretty nice. And so he cuts them off and he saves them. And he had them somewhere in his basement, in a jar somewhere, something was going on, but he was telling us, he's like, yeah, I got to find those things. I don't know what the heck happened to him. Um, you know, I, I think I got them somewhere, but you know, it's been so long. I might've thrown them away. Who knows? But at that point it starts raining. So he's like, well, I got to cover up all my gear here. So I'll, you know, I'll be back out in a bit. And he comes back out probably 10 minutes later and he's got a note for something he was some chores he was doing around the place and he's got two little white items in his hand and he walks up and he holds these things up and sure enough they're turkey spurs and so I'm like, he's like I found them you're not going to believe it I found them and he drops these things in my hand and oh my God, they are the biggest spurs we've ever seen in our lives. <laughs>
1: they are freaking <laughs> hooks. Like they are Huge. hooks.
2: Just I've never seen spurs massive. that big in
1: person from one of my turkeys or from a turkey that I've ever seen anybody kill. Like I've never no. seen hooks like that before.
2: Never. And so we popped out the tape measure, measured them. One of them was one and seven eighths inches. The other one was one and five eighths. It was absolutely ridiculous how long these spurs were
1: and white
2: yeah yeah totally white except for a little black tip on the end yeah like just super super bright
1: crazy it was
2: i mean just yeah we we sat there dumbfounded for i don't know (laughs) i don't know however long it took jim to do his chores and come back and then (laughs) start talking deer hunting with us and then once he started what once that started, then it went down a whole nother rabbit hole. With, oh, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Dude, I'm going to come back to those spurs, up. though, real quick, before we move on yeah, from the yeah. spurs, because he was just like, these are pretty good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, he only killed two birds in his life, so he's like, yeah, yeah, these are,
1: he's got to be all right.
2: Sure, yeah. These are pretty good spurs, People, right?
1: And we're just like jaw on oh the ground. Just like, Jim, do you do you realize what you've done? This is a giant. I mean,
2: yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I had a bird last year that I think I was, I was like seven, eight inches. I was almost at an inch and it had a nice little curve and a point on it. And I was like, that's a freaking hook, man. <laughs> but these things, I mean, they've put everything I've ever seen to shame.
1: Yeah. It's, they were incredible. It
2: is absolutely incredible I and mean, it was like you and i had been talking about um earlier that day and we were talking about deer and how you you know a lot of guys think that they've seen 160 inch deer yep. until you've really seen a 160 inch deer and put your hands on it and actually you know gotten to experience it was the same exact principle with these hooks like we were talking about it's like you hear someone i mean i i I personally haven't heard folks talk too much about two inch spurs, but like, you know, you hear some claims about, you know, yeah, this bird had two inch hooks on it. And like, after seeing these things, I would be hard pressed to believe that.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Dude, show me a two inch hook. And, and I'll say too, like I, I I do legitimately see on social media, that kind of stuff, folks killing birds in the South with big, Mm -hmm. big hooks on them. Like, yeah, one and seven eighths two inch you know pushing two inch kind of spurs um but they're smaller birds and all that kind of thing the birds that i've seen has to do with that i have no idea
2: do you think it's terrain i don't know it's being down in those maybe i mean i don't know the only thing i can think of is like those those swamp birds and those marsh birds if maybe the ground's real soft and muddy all the time and they're just not getting worn down on everything because a lot of the stuff around Jim's place, you know, there's all sorts. Whether it be ag fields, but there's rocks and you know all sorts of stuff. Yeah,
1: it's unforgiving everywhere. terrain.
2: Oh, very, very. It's tough. tough, I, was, tough I was pretty. Hiking.
1: I was pretty whooped the next day, just from yeah. just from what we had done there. Um, yeah, but
2: yeah, no kidding.
1: But yeah, so somebody, hey, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I've got a legitimate Wisconsin two-inch spurred turkey. Uh, hit me up on Instagram, or you can email me Josh at Sportsman dot com. And uh, I want to see them, and don't don't just tell me you saw one one time. Like I want a picture, uh, mm-hmm. just to, just to see, man. Like I I just want to know. Or if you've got some feedback, like hey, we see big spurred turkeys at our at our place because, you know, I've killed several turkeys right around here where I'm at, and they've all got short spurs too. And I, I'm hunting birds yeah. that are oak flats, marsh, or um ag fields. Like not a ton of really terrain around here to speak of. And they've all got shorter spurs. I, I did kill one last year that was like uh inch and a quarter spurs or like mm-hmm. just over an inch. I wouldn't call That's them a, a full spur, man. I wouldn't call them a full inch and a quarter. But it's like it's over an inch. And yeah. dude when I killed that I was like these are an inch and a half. Easy. Inch and <laughs> a half all day. <laughs> so I got home and measured them. I'm like, no they're not they're not even close like it's just not it's not that hey guys just want to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the wisconsin sportsman podcast is brought to you by tacticam as many of you know i've really gotten into filming my hunts over the last two years and i especially love filming my turkey hunts this spring i'm going to be running the tacticam 5.0 and the tacticam 5.0 wide cameras i plan to have the 5.0 mounted to my bow stabilizer with the 5.0 wide looking back at my blind to get great second angle footage. The 5.0 and the 5.0 wide deliver 4K, 30 frame per second resolution in a weatherproof package. There's also a remote that you can get for them so that you can operate these cameras with just the click of a button. And to make it even better, they offer tons of mounts and accessories made specifically with hunters and anglers in mind. If you're hoping to capture your hunting memories to share with friends, family, and loved ones, Check out the Tacticam 5.0 and the Tacticam 5.0Y today at www.tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. But yeah, we've been talking about deer earlier mm-hmm. that day, and I'd shared with you that I'd I'd run into some good deer, and I'd seen a deer that I suspected to be in the 150 ish range, possibly even bigger. And I started dry heaving in the stand, like I was. if I had had food and water in my stomach at that point, I would have thrown up, but it was a rut hunt and I hadn't eaten or drank anything all day. And so I'm just like, I mean, just like getting after it in the stand, you know, after this deer runs through just from the adrenaline dump because the size of the animal and then, and then Jim is like, let me go get some of the deer that I've killed here. And he starts bringing these things out and they are monsters.
2: Mm hmm. And also I think it's worth noting Jim's telling us all these stories about some of these hunts and I mean there, well, there's two things. The first Jim hunts exclusively, I guess from an archery standpoint, Jim hunts exclusively with a longbow. He has since the (laughs) eighties. (laughs) <laughs> he got a crossbow and he decided that it was too, basically because he was having shoulder issues, but he's like, this is way too mechanical. I got no, I've got no connection to this thing. I can't feel it out, man. This is a piece of junk and yeah. just pretty much hung it up and went back to the, went back to the longbow. Um, and he's like, it's he, a part he's been of hunting me. longbow since the eighties.
1: Yeah. He's like, and I've been hunting long, using just, so long and it's, sorry. it's part of me. Yeah, Like, that's yep, the part that, that got that's me. That's exactly he was like, what he said. Yeah. He's like, it's just like a part of me. And I just know, I don't have to mess with sights or anything like that. It's just part of me. And it's like, dude, you are incredible. And then, it, and then, so before we get into the size of the deer, he was just like, oh, yeah, you just wait for him to get closer. And then he's, you know, the longest, longest shot I've ever killed a deer on with a longbow was 47 yards. Like, dude, <laughs> yeah. dude what?
2: Just casually.
1: <laughs> he has no idea. Like he is, he is just one of those guys that like with the spurs and with the deer and with his longbow and what he's done, he has no idea like how crazy this stuff is. He has no yeah, idea that those arrows
2: are... too. Did you catch that? Yeah. Wooden arrows. Yeah. And he's, just, that's the thing, man, is he's just so, he's such a modest <clears throat> and humble and just yeah. like, like doesn't doesn't have a single shoulder mount in his possession. He just likes the skulls. And he's he is total old school Wisconsin deer hunter. Yeah. And so, I mean, just epitomizes it. He, yeah. I mean, he's seen it all. He's seen all stages of CWD and all the different management practices and all that, like he was telling us about. And I mean, just been around it all. And like through the introduction of when it was shotgun only for deer and then when they finally introduced rifle and just like been able to kind of experiment and feel out all the different hunting strategies and stuff on this 80 acre parcel I mean I guess it was bigger um, when he started hunting but you know then it things got sold and bought up and all that so now it's he used to own all the surrounding ag um, in that area until it was sold off and, yeah. I mean, but again that was that was 20 plus years ago um so he's been just getting by on I say getting by, but uh <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: he's been living large on this eighty acres, we'll we'll say that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so he he brings these deer out and the biggest one is a hundred and fifty five inch nine point. Yep. Just a hammer of a deer. Heavy. Heavy antlers. Man. Not a lot of spread.
2: Nothing crazy, man. I mean, it was probably—I mean, it was probably seventeen, eighteen,
1: wasn't that's, it? Yeah, I, I was going to say sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, but we'll go with that seventeen number because I think that's that's probably right around there. But yeah. the thing was just massive. Like the bases on it were just—oh my god, insane! Yeah,
2: it, yeah. I mean, you had to stretch so, to get your get your hands around the base. It yeah. was. And like dark antlers too. Yeah. And I mean every single tine on it was just heavy. Yeah. Everything about the rack.
1: Yeah. Just... Carried the mass all the way through.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. And the crazy thing, he shot that one in I think eighty seven, he said, with his longbow at nine yards. <laughs> at nine yards yeah. and it wasn't even a full draw like anchor anything like that he said it, at nine yards he was just like okay like this thing is looking at me I'm gonna wait for it to turn its head and I'm I'm I literally I'm just going to pull back quick and thunk.
1: yeah it was basically a did. slingshot with an arrow at that point yeah like when was- he did smoked <laughs> it smoked it Yeah, like
2: you know and he, I love it was like yeah, you know, I didn't get a pass through, but it, it got in there just fine. So I, you know, I, I mean, I found them obviously, but.
1: Yeah. It's like, but, Jim, I think you're doing all right.
2: Yeah. Right. And the tactic behind it, I thought was absolutely mind blowing. It was like an eighties bow hunter magazine, or if that was even around back then, a bow hunting magazine, something like that. Um but he, he, he said he'd read an article a couple days prior and the title of the article was Grunt Till It Hurts.
1: <laughs> I've got to Google and, this article, by the way. I've got to figure strategy, out who wrote that.
2: I know, right? I was thinking about that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that as soon as we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> but the strategy was literally get into your stand And just hammer on that grunt tube. And just... And just do it. And he said he'd been grunting for like 45 minutes. Oh, gosh. At least 45 minutes. He's like, Uh... my lips were numb, man. I couldn't do... I couldn't do anything. But lo and behold, here this thing is, charging in, finally looking for this, you know, where he's at. And... Yeah, walks right to him and, <laughs> and takes an arrow. And I think he killed another buck doing that, too.
1: Uh, yeah, I think he did.
2: I yeah, just, he did. I mean, that's not the... Uh, it's just funny because, it, 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 you know, I feel like I heard several podcasts and read a couple articles about calling and rattling and what's your sequence like and all that this yeah. year Yeah this past fall and everything's like, yeah, I'll usually... I'll rattle after 10 or 15 and then I'll grunt every 20 and then, you know, I'll alternate grunts and rattle. It's just like, you know, trying to figure out the science behind it. And Larry's strategy is just like, I'm going to piss them off or at least grunt until something hears me and hope that something comes in.
1: (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to grunt until my lips start to tingle and hurt real bad. And, And then I might take a break. Right, from, yeah, literally. From the grunting. But, dude, he pulled those deer out, and they're, they're all massive. And they're really impressive deer, bigger than anything I've ever killed. And mm-hmm. then he pulls out some two-year-old, because he, he had gotten these things aged, or he had aged them by the tooth. And I think some of it he had done yeah. it himself, like based on a chart. And you always hear people if people age it themselves, I feel like there's always a tendency to age them as older than they really are. Yeah. You know, just definitely. to err on the side of older. Yep. And he brought out some deer. I think one had been looked at by a DNR guy and the other mm-hmm. one he had done based on this other deer and based on this chart that he had to, to age the jaw bones. And he brought out some two and a half year old deer that were like handsome. Pope and young class deer. I yeah, mean, man. Just beautiful. And, and themselves heavy. Like, dude, I'm not going to lie to you. If I shot one of those deer, I'm, I am, I am shoulder mounting that thing all yeah. day long. Oh yeah. All day long. And he, he's just like, Oh, yeah, here's a couple of my two year olds. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> no big dude, deal. So casual. Yeah.
2: And the stories that he's had, like every single buck has a story. Yeah. With them too, yep. you know, I mean, he, he remembers everyone like it was yesterday. It was yeah. the coolest conversation ever, but yeah, those I mean, those two-year-olds were really the only thing they lacked was mass.
1: Yeah. That yeah, yeah, they were exactly. A
2: little bit skinny. A little that bit skinny
1: it. compared to the, compared to the other ones that were all three-year-olds. He said he'd never killed a four-year-old on the property, but that. Yeah,
2: allegedly, but then I'm kind of like,
1: <laughs>
2: are <yeah>. you sure? <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like, mm, Larry, these are real big deer. And if he was a 155-inch three-year-old, like that's, just, that's just a lot of a lot of antler. A lot of antler. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it doesn't yeah. happen at three. I'm just saying it's a lot of antler.
2: Right? All the while Jim's clarifying. <laughs> you know me, I'm I'm a meat hunter. I just go out there and whatever I get after, you know, I get after it. So it's yeah. not, you know, I'm not sitting here waiting for waiting for a hundred and you know, whatever inch deer to come out. I'm just, if I go out there, I hunt for the meat.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and in,
2: whoever crosses my path.
1: Yeah. That. In between these stories of these giant bucks that he's killed, he's like, oh yeah, shoot a doe fawn, whatever. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. It's, <laughs> <laughs> so you just got this picture of his hunting career. It's just like, yeah, I'll go out and shoot a doe fawn. Next time I go out, shoot 155 inch deer. Might go out again, yeah. shoot another doe fawn, you know, just yeah. whatever. Yeah. I like to eat. He them. Yeah. yeah.
2: He's like, yeah, I, you know, raised my kids on it, raised, you know, you know, fed my family on it for, I don't know how long. I still probably go through three or four deer a year, you know, just, yeah. just doing that. Like it was just the, the wildest hunting career you ever heard.
1: Yeah. I wish I had been able to just strap like a headset on him and, and press record. I know. Right. And just air all of that again, because man, it was a, it was a fantastic conversation, but so eventually he had to get back to work. We had to get back to hunting and yeah. we work our way around to a side of the property that we hadn't covered yet. And we get over there and sure enough, we strike a bird on the complete opposite side of the property, essentially. Yep. <laughs> like yep. if it's a C we're at one tip of the C and he's at the other tip of the C.
2: Exactly. And we've
1: got to make our big loop all the way around. And he didn't sound like he was getting any closer. We'd called to him a couple of times. We had a we had a he nice responded. setup. He responded. But yeah. Dude, yeah,
2: that setup was sweet, man.
1: If he could have if we could have got him to come in over there, it was just picturesque. Had a barn in the background. Yep. you know, decoys out in some taller grass. We're set up underneath some pine trees with limbs hanging down over us, would have just been totally hidden. It would have been incredible. Yeah, sun
2: was at our back. Sun at perfect, our back. Man.
1: Yeah. It it could not have been better. And he would have come from our from our right, you know, and yeah. come down that little probably come down that little trail and you're a lefty. So I mean he'd have been like in your lap essentially as soon as he broke yep. the broke the edge of the of the pines. It would just it would have been fantastic. It would have been fantastic. But he didn't come over. We went after him. And did we strike him once we got up on top of the hill? again and when we're going after him
2: we're going after him yes i don't know <laughs> i think strike him is a that might be a loose term yeah but he gobbled at he, something yeah was it yeah, when you no, called he did. he did once he gave us one okay. gobble and that okay. was it like I, a little courtesy
1: I, gobble yep may have yep. been just a shot gobble i mean because they weren't eh. see that was the thing too like nothing was gobbling at crow's Nothing no, was gobbling no, man. at they were quiet. anything. Nothing they was were gobbling at geese quiet. when they would fly over. Like just a really quiet day. So we work our way down all the way into this bottom, uh, kind of heading down the hill and get to a spot. It's not a great setup, but it was as good as we were going to get to work with down there because it gets thick really mm-hmm. fast, right? Yeah. And we get set up. Poor Pierce is in like the blazing sun, and I had no idea because we had a little <laughs> bit of cloud cover. And then the cloud cover slipped back and dude, I can tell the sun is like beaming on you. And I think you were like getting like sweaty forehead thing going on. I'm like, dude, he's cooking over there. (laughs) Like He's got a, were you, I mean, were you just dying in the sun over there? I wasn't dying, but I was like, if a bird walks in here. I
2: don't think my chances are too good at getting a crack at anything yeah. here.
1: Yeah. It was a tough spot. <laughs> I feel spot. like
2: I am in the spotlight right now. And on top of it, yeah, I was definitely starting to get a little forehead sweat. I had my face mask up like to my eyes pretty much. So I'm just getting that hot breath air trapped beneath oh, the bill of my cap and in my face. It just huge was oh, all heck. But yeah. Yeah. So. And at that point we'd been out there for almost 12 hours. We had been out there for 12 hours. Yeah. It was 4 PM. We got there at four and we're like looking at each other and we were just kind of like, you know what? I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen.
1: No, no. It it was time to either go find another property and Mm -hmm. pick a piece of public or drive around, look at ag fields and go ask permission from a farmer or go get in a trout stream. Yeah. And we decided a trout stream sounded real good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we were at least going to get one of the three things we were after. Exactly. So exactly. we get back to the car. We talk to Jim for a little bit, have another fantastic conversation with him. I'm just trying to catch my bearings. Cause I, like we get back dude and I'm like, I am winded from all the walking, you know, at that point uh, I had thankfully left a lot of the gear at, back at the, at the car. But I realized... Yeah, man, that would have
2: been tough, lugging around the tripod oh, and everything all day. Yeah, it was getting man. hot in the afternoon, too. It got up to, like, 80. It, yeah. was,
1: it was way too much. Way, way too much. And so we get back, uh, talk with Jim for just a minute, hop in the car, uh, and we're heading to a spot further west. Yep. Can I, can I say that without... Yeah. I don't want to yeah, mess totally, anything up. totally. Uh, <clears throat> so we're going to go try to catch some trout. And we're going back and forth. I was hoping we could catch some brookies. But it was like, at this point, we had had such a day. Uh, it, it had been just one of those days. So I was like, you were like, where do you want to go? And I'm like, I just need to catch fish. Like, like I, don't, I don't care what it is. If, if I catch a brookie, great. But I don't want to go try to catch a brookie and not really catch much else. You know what I mean? Like, All right. So we went to the first stream. And I didn't really think about it until I was on the drive home. It was Thursday evening at what time of day was that? I mean, by that
2: point it was five thirty. Everybody had just gotten off of work.
1: Yep. Everybody was off. <laughs> it was work. the
2: one nice day of the week. <laughs> Everyone, we got to the first bridge and there were what, four cars there. Yes. Three, three or four cars there. Yep. And we can just look up and down the bridge and, you know, or up and down the stream and just see hats and, Rods flying back and forth and all that. So we're like, well, this spot wasn't that good, anyways. Yeah, we'll go somewhere else, and,
1: dude. It was hilarious. We pull over, we get up to the top of this hill, and you're like, dude, everybody and their mother is here. And we and we look, and there's an old lady sitting in the back of one of the cars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, you're like, yeah, there's literally someone's mom there. That's wild.
1: Somebody's like. Seventy-year-old mother is sitting in the back seat of that car, waiting for <laughs> whoever it is that brought her out there to come back. Just yeah. like just chilling in the back of this car. So we loop it around, though. We go to another stream. Had you ever? You'd never fished this stream, right? I'd
2: never fished it. It was it was over in that vicinity, and it was, uh, I mean, it fed into that creek um, where the two of them met at some point or another, but yeah, I'd never fished the stretch that we ended up going to. Um, I'd seen folks fish it before. I was like, I, I guess I'd fished a lower section of it, but I hadn't fished where you and I hopped in. So,
1: yeah. So we get back in there and there's some, there's some interesting features in this Creek. You asked me one thing I, I really appreciated. So guys, if, if you're thinking about looking for a guide, um, to take you out trout fishing in the driftless, I highly recommend Pierce, and and here's one of the reasons that, that I recommend you to people, Pierce. Like, we got out there, and you were like, hey, what's one thing you want to learn? I mean, you had already asked me, like, what's the experience you want to have? Do you want a lot of fish? Do you want big fish? Do you want brookies? Are you happy with browns? Like, what's the experience that you want? But you were like, what's one thing that you want to to leave with as far as, like, one thing you want to learn? And mm-hmm. and I told you, man, that, like, guided our that, like, guided our time. yeah. Because uh, I, I told you, I was like, I want to learn how to read water better. I want to learn how, <clears> how to do it. And so immediately, like, you taught me that all the way back to the car. You're like, do you see yeah. this? Do you see where this foam line is? Here's what a lot of folks say. Do you see where, the, you know, this feeds here? That's where you want to do it. Do you see this little riffle, and then it, stop, it slows down, and the water gets a little deeper right there? And taught me about, you know, what fish are doing in specific places. Well, if the fish are over here, they're probably not feeding. You could probably get them to bite a leech or something if you send it down in there, but they're not mm-hmm. actively feeding fish. They're down there resting, conserving energy. So, um, yeah, man, I think people should call you for that reason because it was a learning experience. It wasn't, it wasn't just the, <clears throat> the hey, uh, we went fishing and caught fish. Like there's a lot that I'm taking away from that experience just that's going to help me the next couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. that and the fact that I marked that stream on Onyx, And so I'll go right back. To it. No, <laughs> no I, I wondered if you were going to, no. you know, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I've gone with a, Oh, you're more than welcome to. I, I've gone with a guide before. I, I've gone with a guide before and the stream that we were trying to get on, get in on was so busy. And we finally did. We finally found a place. It wasn't like an actual parking spot. We basically I don't know if I'd technically call it trespassing, but I certainly wouldn't call it an easement. Uh, where, <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was like, I'm pretty sure we'll be all right. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, all right, cool. Um, I'm uncomfortable. Uh, so anyway, so we, we fished it, and I was like, dude, this place gets so much fishing pressure. There are so many people here. I'm definitely marking this one on my Onyx. So, so yeah. I, have, I have done that before, um, but I didn't do it to you because uh, I'll just call you and ask you to take me right. back because it's easier if I just get you to take <laughs> me there and, uh, rather than uh, trying to go there myself. So we get in there. The lighting's not good. The sun's at our back, casting a shadow out over the water, trying to be careful, but even just the angle of the sun at that specific time, there was just no way to be Yeah, the
2: angle of the sun, the angle of the creek, the the height of the bank, the lack of... I mean, it was we should have just skipped that. That like that, that first hole quite literally was like, Hey, just get a feel for this rod. Cause you haven't fished this rod before. Let's just make sure, you know, casting mechanics and everything are, are squared up. And then from there we can really start covering some ground. And we did. And we pulled the fish out of there. Um, <clears throat> it was, yeah. I mean, we, we got out there. We we're surrounded by, uh, the, the classic driftless backdrop of a herd of cattle with um, some very fresh calves. Um, we also forgot to mention that when we were turkey hunting, we were up on that point earlier. Uh, we, as we were getting up, going to go have our coffee break, uh, we were looking at the decoys and we stood up and we were just turned around. I looked over and right at the base of this tree is, I mean, probably what would you say? No, no more than a, two days or so old oh, fawn she yeah. was just curled up cute as a button
1: yep dude that was my first i've never seen a fawn uh, up that that up close before and yeah a lot of it you know i was sharing with you and and for the listeners like growing up in the south we were getting fawn our first fawn pictures of the year would be in september right uh so we have a february rut you know we'd have we'd have fawns that were dropping in 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 mid october sometimes that we'd be like mm-hmm. yeah that one's brand new so we're talking a march we're talking a march gestation yeah or a march conception and uh yeah man it was just it was it was wild getting that close to one not to mention this, this fawn was about the size of some of the does <laughs> down in deep South Alabama.
2: <laughs> yeah, man, you were telling me about big. just the size of the deer oh, and everything there's... where we were where we were out hunting and then again in the car and everything. And I just can't believe I, I just didn't know. Honestly, like I'd heard about coos deer and stuff like that down in, uh, down in the Southwest and how they were smaller, but I didn't know that translated down to the, you know, down South as well. I had no clue.
1: Yeah. Especially right along the Gulf coast, like where I, where sure. I grew up hunting right along that coast, man. It's all, um, it's all like really sandy soil, really sure. low quality habitat, um, and you know piney woods and thick mm. pond holly, which is like this little holly tree that doesn't have a, a ton of good stuff. You know, sure. uh, so it's just not, not good quality habitat. So yeah, the deer are super tiny. But um, anyway, so yeah, so we're we're out in this field. We got all these fresh calves around us, cows all over the place. And we get to the first little spot where we're going to spend some time. We start pulling out some fish. There's smaller ones.
2: Yeah. Smaller fish. A couple of dinks. We moved up, fished a little run. I knew there was, I'd seen one, a little guy splash in the middle of it. And I was like, we're going to catch that fish. I don't care if it's bigger now. We're going to catch that (laughs) fish just, just cause it's there. So we, we did that. Josh made a great cast, put it right in the middle of it, pulled them out, and uh, it boy, we were right. It was a small little fish, but, <laughs> <laughs> but had some good fight in him. And then we moved up, and uh, it was a big kind of. It was a lot of submerged timber on that on that stretch there. Yeah, um, but it actually kind of worked in our favor because we were able to get down, stand right behind it um, on a rock, and sort of cast up alongside of that, and so got onto this run where sort of two two little riffles kind of went around this high point and uh fed into the main channel and Josh was out there working the right side of that and just plucking fish out of there
1: yeah yeah man it <laughs> it turned real good real fast um oh, yeah. real good real fast we and we both caught some some decent sized fish I think you caught mm-hmm. one that's probably closer to 11 than 10
2: maybe yeah, 11 we didn't get anything too crazy yeah. but yeah we had some good healthy but 10 11 girthy you know? yeah girthy. Exactly. they've been eating all day man yeah. they had some good dude, that on one them. that
1: you pointed out you were like dude look at his belly and it looked like i mean just straight up beer belly hanging yeah. down on this fish i mean <laughs> had a little had ping been,
2: pong ball in him yeah
1: dude had been eaten so what were real quick what were we fishing <clears throat> with I, I see that you've got uh you've got a run here in in just a minute or two
2: I do. Uh, Yeah. We were throwing, um, I think on that. I think I just had a size 16 parachute Adams. I had you on a size 12 hippie stomper. And then we were both running. Um, it's sort of a, I don't know, a messy Frenchie for lack of a better term. It's okay. got some CDC around the collar of it too, but <clears throat> essentially a slim down, but not that slim, like halfway between a Frenchie and a pink squirrel pretty much. Yeah. It's not quite as bushy as a pink squirrel. Got a little more body than a, than a Frenchie and
1: they were loving it.
2: That CDC gives it a little bit of that swimming action and kind of flutters while it's in the water. And yeah, seems to now was a size 18. So yeah, man, had- I'm up or buy whatever you, can that sounds close to that get out there folks
1: yeah for sure man i we we had a lot of fish feeding on top and we did have I, a lot i missed two takes on the dry on the hippie yeah. stomper and uh one was like immediate i'm talking like it hit the water the fish smashed it yeah and i, and I missed it so
2: dude it in just, fast water too real yeah. fast water yeah. and that's i mean folks if you're new to fly fishing it is as soon as you lay that cast out and your fly is about to hit the water, lower your rod tip, transfer that line from your left hand. If if you're a right-handed cast or left hand retrieve, transfer that line from your line hand and put it right under that index finger. That if you do get in that situation, you're immediately ready to pinch it, set that hook, land that fish.
1: Yeah. You know what though? I I think if folks want to go out and, and fish, they should get a good guide. They should get they should get somebody to go with them that can teach them the ropes. Do you know? Do you know anybody?
2: Um. Yeah, there's some there's some bum from Good Chance Fly Fishing. I'd I'd give them a call. They're all right. All right. What? Yeah,
1: I, I think they should, man. Good Chance Fly Fishing, Pierce. That is that is you, man. You're the head guide.
2: Uh, I am indeed. I am that bum. I have an yeah. awesome
1: I have an awesome Good Chance Fly Fishing shirt now. Um, do. Yeah. I showed up back at home. My wife's like, "Why are you coming home in different clothes than what you left in when you've been out with some dude that I don't know all day?" Uh, <laughs> but you know, that's a whole other conversation. But, For marketing, uh, yeah, that's For right, marketing. that's right, marketing <laughs> purposes. So, well, Pierce, I'm going to let you go to get to your next meeting, man. Where can people get a hold of you?
2: goodchanceflyfishing.com dot com. GoodChanceFlyFishing on Instagram. Um, otherwise. Maybe through you. Who knows, man? Sweet.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If people want more information, reach out to me. I'll get you in touch with Pierce. And, uh, hey, man, this was good. Thanks for coming on again. And, uh, man, I've got a story about a turkey that whipped my tail yesterday (laughs) that I think I'm going to share on next week's episode. So,
2: yeah, man, I think you ought to. Well, hey, man, it was a pleasure hunting with you, pleasure fishing with you. We'll definitely try and uh, make it happen. This week in zone two if we can get our schedules to align. Let's do it. I appreciate the kind words on the guiding, and uh, we'll be in touch.
1: And that is all for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to Pierce for coming on. Go check him out over at Good Chance Fly Fishing. Also, big thanks to our partners over at Tacticam for helping us make this episode possible. Now, we've got a little over a week left of turkey season here in the state of Wisconsin. I hope you've got a season- f tag i know i do and uh yeah ready to get out and chase some more birds and during this last week so hope you're getting out and enjoying the incredible resource that is ours as wisconsin sportsmen